Hello and welcome to A Father's Heart, a podcast for Catholic dads, brought to you by the Diocese of Nottingham. This podcast series will explore Patris Cordier, that is, the apostolic letter written by Pope Francis for the year of St. Joseph. Each month, we'll speak to two dads from around the diocese and explore one of the parts of the document. Each part highlights a different characteristic of St. Joseph as a father. We'll be sharing our thoughts and reflections on this document and how the different fathers from around the diocese try to live this out. Here is this month's episode. Hello and welcome to episode four of A Father's Heart, our podcast for Catholic dads in the year of St. Joseph. This month we'll be reflecting on section five of Pope Francis's document, Patris Cordier. This section is called A Creative and Courageous Father, and it is Pope Francis reflecting on the journey that St. Joseph had to make into Egypt with the Holy Family and what that must have been like for them. To hear about that in our own time, I've had the pleasure of speaking to Akimate, who originally from Nigeria lives in Leicester with his family. It's a great conversation with lots of us to think about, and one of the episodes that really I felt God was speaking to me and filling me with wisdom through Akimate, who is overbrimming with this gift of the Holy Spirit. I really hope you enjoy this month's episode. Please do remember to recommend us to your friends and family so that we can reach as many people as possible. But before we get into the interview, let's reflect on section five, a creative and courageous father. If the first stage of all true interior healing is to accept our personal history and embrace even the things in life that we did not choose, we must now add another important element, creative courage. This emerges especially in the way we deal with difficulties. In the face of difficulty, we can either give up and walk away or somehow engage with it. At times, difficulties bring out resources we did not even think we had. As we read the infancy narratives, we may often wonder why God did not act in a more direct and clear way. Yet God acts through events and people. Joseph was the man chosen by God to guide the beginnings of the history of redemption. He was the true miracle by which God saved the child and his mother. God acted by trusting in Joseph's creative courage. Arriving in Bethlehem and finding no lodging where Mary could give birth, Joseph took a stable and, as best he could, turned it into a welcoming home for the Son of God come into the world. Faced with immediate danger from Herod, who wanted to kill the child, Joseph was warned once again in a dream to protect the child and rose in the middle of the night to prepare the flight into Egypt. A superficial reading of these stories can often give the impression that the world is at the mercy of the strong and mighty. But the good news of the gospel consists in showing that, for all the arrogance and violence of worldly powers, God always finds a way to carry out his saving plan. So too, our lives may at times seem to be at the mercy of the powerful. But the gospel shows us what counts. God always finds a way to save us provided we show the same creative courage of the carpenter of Nazareth, who was able to turn a problem into a possibility by trusting always in divine providence. If at times God seems not to help us, surely this does not mean that we have been abandoned, but instead are being trusted to plan, 
to be creative and to find solutions ourselves. That kind of creative courage was shown by the friend of the paralytic who lowered him from the roof in order to bring him to Jesus. Difficulties did not stand in the way of those friends' boldness and persistence. They were convinced that Jesus could heal the man and finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. That's verses 19 to 20 of chapter 5 of um, the Gospel of Luke. Jesus recognised the creative faith with which they sought to bring their sick friend to him. The Gospel does not tell us how long Mary, Joseph and the child remained in Egypt, yet they certainly needed to eat to find a home and employment. It does not take much imagination to fill in those details. The Holy Family had to face concrete problems like every other family, like so many of our migrant brothers and sisters who today too risk their life to escape misfortune and hunger. In this regard, I consider St. Joseph the special patron for those forced to leave their native lands because of war, hatred, persecution and poverty. At the end of every account where Joseph plays a role, the Gospel tells us that he gets up, takes the child and his mother and does what God commanded him. Indeed, Jesus and Mary his mother are the most precious treasures of our faith. In the divine plan of salvation, the son is inseparable from his mother from Mary, who advanced in her pilgrimage of faith and faithfully preserved in her union with her son until she stood at the cross. We should always consider whether we ourselves are protecting Jesus and Mary, for they are also mysteriously entrusted to our own responsibility, care and safekeeping. The Son of the Almighty came into the world in a state of great vulnerability. He needed to be defended, protected, cared for and raised by Joseph. God trusted Joseph, as did Mary, who found in him someone who would not only save her life, but always provide her for her and her child. In this sense, St. Joseph could not be other than the guardian of the church, for the church is the continuation of the body of Christ in history, even as Mary's motherhood is reflected in the motherhood of the church. In his continued protection of the church, Joseph continues to protect the child and his mother, and we too, by our love for the church, continue to love the child and his mother. The child will go on to say, As you did to one of the least of those who are members of my family, you did it to me. That's Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. Consequently, every poor, needy, suffering or dying person, every stranger, every prisoner, every infirm person is the child whom G Joseph continues to protect. For this reason, St. Joseph invoked a protector of the unfortunate, the needy, exiles, the afflicted, the poor and the dying. Consequently, the church cannot fail to show a special love for the least of our brothers and sisters, for Jesus showed a particular concern for them and personally identified with them. From St. Joseph, we must learn the same care and responsibility. We must learn to love the child and his mother, to love the sacraments and charity, to love the church and the poor, each of these realities is always the child and his mother. Hello everyone and welcome to episode four of our podcast, A Father's Heart. And today we're going to be thinking about section five, which is 
a creative, courageous father. I'm delighted to be joined by Akimate, who is from St. John Bosco and St. Mary Parish in Leicester, if also the chairman of the Leicester Catholic uh, African community, which is a great uh, community I've heard so much about uh, through mutual friend of Father Joel, who's now in uh, Melbourne. So a very warm welcome to you today, Akimate. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you, everyone. Uh, so we're going to begin by just, first of all, hearing a little bit about you. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, what kind of your work and a little bit about your family life? It would be wonderful to hear. Yes, um, as you've just said, my name is Okemute. Um, I like to pride myself as someone being uh, one of faith. So obviously I'm a Christian, you know, I believe in God, the Holy Trinity. I am married with two sons. I hail from the south-south region of Nigeria. Uh, I am a pharmacist, but I'm training to become a, a medical doctor as well. So uh, as you've heard from the earlier introduction, my local parish is St. Miriam St. John Bosco, of which I'm one of the catechists there as well. So I do help with our local contact very well. So I'm also part of the African ACC or family in Leicestershire. And uh, we continue to thrive and, and make, make hay. No matter what the situation is, as, we've reached, as you know, we've had a very challenging year, but it's been actually very inspiring as well. Thank you. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you very much. How have the, um, if you say about the pandemic, hopefully I say we, we begin to come out of it, but I know Leicester, I've had, I've had a few conversations with people for Leicester. You don't seem to have had a break, really. When everyone else had that lovely summer last year, they were kind of like, nope, no to the grindstone, especially yourself in kind of, of a pharmacist and medical side. How have have you found it and then how you think the kind of wider uh, community have found it in Leicester? As a pharmacist, uh, it's not changed. Uh, in fact, the workload went higher. And you can imagine the very initial part of the pandemic whereby most medics actually were sort of avoiding patients. We were the only ones really, especially in the community, facing patients. So yeah. we, we've not had any sort of break at all. Um, in terms of being, as you asked me a question of being a father, you said, or was it more uh, was or less the, wider role? The wider community, but also wider community. Here, I'm a father as well, how you found that, imagine a bit oh, of, yeah. quite a bit of homeschooling. Absolutely. So initially it was homeschooling. The younger one, I have a very young one who is four. I have an older one who is um, a teenager, he's 15. So that one is slightly easier to manage, the, the older one, because the school helped a lot. I mean, this, you know, these young kids, they're very tech savvy anyway. So <laughs> the initial weeks of transition were a bit more difficult for them. But I imagine that time they set up all the uh, classes session, they went on teams, they went on all this. So they were very good. So he didn't have problem. The younger one was easier for me. He was a bit, was just about three. So I just pulled him out and just let him have a bit more sort of homeschooling bit. Obviously, myself and my wife, we had to adapt to working from home, etc. I don't have the opportunity to work from home, but she does. So it makes a great of help. But obviously, we've pulled together. And it's, it's actually been challenging, but actually rewarding at the end. That's what I'll say to everyone. Excellent. Uh, and yeah, well, well done. I've got to say, I've, um, for everyone key work on the front line, like I just moved here into my kind of spare, <laughs> my spare room and just kind of got, just got very warm and sometimes felt frustrated not being able to do things in person and see people in this kind of role. But as you say, nothing that kind of compared and have you been right at the front line and when doctors want to see a patient, they go, right, what's the next? Let's get to a pharmacist and they say, thank you very much, John. And I've, I've got a little one, but she's only uh, 19 months. So my wife on maternity leave during the pandemic. So it's actually quite nice. We had a little, a little bit, I got to see a lot more of her than I ever would have done in her first year of life otherwise. So um, Absolutely. 
thanks be to God, I, I, I don't feel I had a hard, <laughs> a hard run in that. So um, this uh, letter of Pope Francis, uh, Patris Cordier, um, if there anything that jumped out for you in particular, or this section that we're going to uh, look at today, if there anything that you thought, oh, that's quite interesting, or that chimed with my experience? I think obviously the focus on the family is actually quite, it's quite good. And it's quite, I think the pandemic as well has reminded each and every one of us. Uh, we are the body, uh, Christ is the head. Mm. And obviously he wants us to work in our individual families because every, whatever family God is there is present. So now we really understand that we have to build relationships. We have to continuously invest in each other, love one another. And by just cherishing those little moments, um, I mean, you just mentioned being able to spend more time with your child. It's this kind of little moments actually really make life as a journey because I always, I always look at it as we're just passing through. So we just have to make the most of it. And obviously leave everywhere we, we, we meet or anything we meet, leave it in a better place. That would give us a lot of hope going forward as well. So that's, that, that really jumped at me, really. That's, yeah, we can easily forget that our, the, the church government, the domestic church, our family, is a reflection of the church and reflection of Christ's love and particular love of the Father. It's quite a hard uh, person to kind of live up to, of like not only the Heavenly Father, but Jesus, as well as the head of the church and what he laid down for the church. And I think you're right, we easily get distracted by the everydays of life and we kind of forget. And um, I think it, it would have been last Sunday's gospel where Jesus just noticed that that, that lady touched the edge of his clothes, it's one of my favorite readings, and being that... That's how aware we've got to be. It's, it's a big ask, but um, I know get the Holy Spirit to help us with that. Yes. Um, so you mentioned that you're from the south of Nigeria. And part of the reason why I've kind of reached out to kind of uh, the uh, wider dispersed community, because I wanted to hear the experience of those who've come from different countries and different cultures and kind of try to start a new life for the family in a new environment. Um, I, I've never had to experience that. I've pro progressed from Derby to Nottingham, which is some people live in extremely a border you never cross between Derby and Nottingham uh, of football rivalry. Uh, I, my parents came from Ireland, but so I've not had that experience. I'd love to hear about your experience. What was it like in uh, being almost like that a new image of the kind of holy family who went out to uh, Egypt and everything and all that kind of scariness of entering a new culture? I'd love to hear about your experience, how long you've been here and things like that. Yes, uh, I, I came here just when I was about 20, um, so that was in 2004, so I came in here as a student really, uh, not too long after my college over there, I spent one or two years trying to prepare myself, because obviously I had, I had this idea of what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do, so I was just looking for the right opportunities, obviously I want, my, my main sort of motivation has always been to become a doctor. Uh, so I had the opportunities to do a school in Nigeria, where I came from, South-South, uh, Delta State. If you want to think about it geographically or just to sort of picture it, just think about where the, all the oil comes from, that sort of area in Nigeria. Uh, so I had the opp opportunity to come to England. Um, I had like a previous uh, opportunity to go to the University of Ligon in Ghana to study medicine, but I didn't take that up. So I just came in initially. Uh, initially, I mean, I can remember my first day coming in, straight through Heathrow on my own. Luckily, I had some arrangement in place, weeks me straight in, because I had to go through sort of college here as well, just to get me prepared, A-levels and that kind of stuff. But mine was very advanced. So instead of the normal two years, just within nine months, I finished the whole program. Wow. Just to get everything moving. 
And because obviously thinking about it as a foreign student, uh, to embark on a medical degree in the UK mm. is astronomical. So my first year was almost just for tuition fees was over 21,000. So obviously you have to think about those sort of costs. So initially I was not able to go into the medical profession as I wanted, mm. so I ended up becoming a pharmacist. And I, and I graduated from the University of Aston in 2009. I had some time, I went back home as well to sort of get my registration back home. So I'm a registered back home in Nigeria as well as a pharmacist. I came back about 2011, 2012. And I got grounded and started running. Roughly about, rough about that time as well, I got married. Uh, and I was blessed with two children, two boys. Uh, I mean, they've been very challenging. Uh, <laughs> can imagine a very young gentleman, 20, 22, 23, as a father already. Um, and I think that was just sort of a reflection of, of, the, of Joseph's family as well, because yep. it's sort of unique. Uh, my first son uh, is... I'm his, actually his stepfather, but because I, I, I knew him from a very early age, from the age of two. So basically I raised him up, I, I taught him how to write, to read, and taking him to school. So it was nothing different for me, but mm. it's, it's, and that's how unique the Holy Family is as well. If you look about yes. Joseph, Jesus, Mary, uh, but obviously I have, I have, the family has grown over that time, and there's been challenges along the way, but it has been fulfilling. There's nothing as fulfilling as being uh, blessed with children and seeing them grow and mature in, in, in the grace of the Lord is just wonderful, really. And obviously, for my parents, they've given me the opportunity to sort of be steadfast, be hardworking. So that's what I try to pass on to them. Obviously, understanding that everything comes from the Lord, you start and finish with Him. And obviously, uh, if you are honest in how you progress through life, He would bless the work of your hands, which is why when I finally got the opportunity to, to sort of progress into the medical profession, it's tied up when we were just about, as I started, not too long, the pandemic hit. So as you can see now, uh, we went from face-to-face learning to online learning. Yeah. As a medic, you, you, believe you me, you don't want to know how we've managed this year. So we've kind of like yeah. been the guinea pigs all through, but it's not stopped, it's non-stop. Uh, even like today, I've just written an exam today. I've had to do some prescription charts online and pulling documents and writing it and submitting it online while being invigilated on camera. So, it, so it's this sort of constant ability to, to push yourself to the maximum without mm. losing your identity. I know where I came from. Some people don't always, always forget that. They don't know where they came from. They don't know where they want to go to. But if you're rooted in what you're from, you understand where you want to go and you put the Lord with you. Believe you me, the journey will be fulfilling. That's what I always try to pass across. Uh, what of the biggest difference you notice from kind of studying in uh, Nigerian family life, church life in Nigeria to like, here, say in Aston, so in Birmingham and now, now in Leicester, what would you say of like, which of like a big, oh, wow, this is really weird. This is not, I'd never be like this at, uh, at home. Obviously the, the cultural change is different. So obviously, I mean, just walking down the streets uh, from where, we're, where I grew up, I, I was lucky enough to grow up from sort of like a tight meat estate or I had everything I needed. I was from a middle-class family, uh, really, uh, good schooling, education, health, etc. just all there. But we tend to know each other. We valued communality. We, I mean, we're taught that you have to, you, you participate in your local parish. You find it out, mm. you sort it out, and you actually go there. So when I came here in Leicester, I can remember I was looking for my local church. And obviously, if you're looking for a church in, 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 in England, whereby they don't really have signs outdoors, <laughs> it's very difficult to know where you are. 
<laughs> so I can remember my very first mass I went to in England. I was actually in an Anglican church, but I didn't know that because it said Church of England. So I said, oh no, I've got to go in. I've got to, it's England. So there's a church. I've got to, I said, this is mass. Yes, they're saying mass. Like I didn't know. But over time, as you're going through the mass, you notice there's slight differences. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Then, then I got sourced up. Obviously, the ladies, they were so happy to see me. They've never seen a young guy, or maybe they've not seen a young guy coming in on a Sunday mass for a long time. So I sat at the very front of the pews. And, but you notice slight differences. Obviously, Africans, or we, you know, we value family, we value community. Mm. Because essentially, that's also our social, uh, that's our social security. It gives us, uh, over here, you have social security as it's as, as settled by the state or the people as when they come together. But back home, you need family times. When there are issues, when there are troubles, when there are good times and bad, there's a family that comes and sort of forms that net around you. So you, so you never forget that. So that's the sort of difference in culture. Obviously, mm-hmm. moving on, you, met, you get to meet people, you modulate, you see how they respond. Uh, and obviously, you invest your, your time in relationships when you get some reciprocity as well. Because obviously, sometimes you notice that, oh, these people are not sort of open as, as you always are not sort of welcoming but obviously as far as you have that fire in you you know always looking out for your neighbor always sort of you're always taught that you must welcome a stranger you must have them open heart uh, it will always come come to an end and I, whenever i go anywhere i try to sort of integrate into where i am so i mean i met father joe who brought me into the accl uh Leicester share uh, community because he came to say mass in my parish uh, when on holidays when the priest was off mm. so he was so we just chatted after mass oh i've not seen you for where have you where are you from for the jail <laughs> and he says yeah, yeah, yeah he says i'd like you to come over when we next do a, a sort of a meeting with we meet every third sunday at uh, st uh, st peter's or sec- sorry secretary's church and that's how i got to go in there and i sort of in, integrate into that system and try to make it better uh, when I went and finally moved to Leicester, I found out, which is my the closest church to me, uh, I found out I was St. John Bosco, integrated there. First of all, just attending masses. Over time, they said, oh, you, you can sing. Come and join us to sing. I joined the choir. Oh, from there, oh, yes, you could, you, you, you're a good reader. Come and join the reading. So it's, and I always try to do all those things because obviously I had the opportunities growing up. Uh, I was an altar boy. I, I did everything that you get. So, and we sometimes, when we grew up in the church, sometimes uh, take things for granted but no so like i gave my children that opportunity uh, like my my son i encourage him to be an altar server i encourage them to join societies in the church things that we had like legion of mary block Rosie society the tarsitians i remember every saturday we would meet as a tarsitian so these are the kind of things that we don't always get here mm. but over places over time you tend to bring that uniqueness and when you get the opportunity to share this with others, I, I do it with open arms. So that's a mean and not sure, but if you want to go deeper, it's up to that, you. That, that, that's great. I, I think you're dead right about the importance of the parish community not just being somewhere that you go to mass, about those opportunities, especially for young people, like that they kind of, if, if not just an hour a week, it's your family, it's, your, it's just the way you live. And um, it's hard to go the path of faith alone. Uh, and I think I'm not sure if you found that if you say coming to UK on on your own how long did it take till you felt like you oh I've got a community here this this feels uh, quite good where you welcomed it with it through church with it through uh, 
other Nigerians you might have known or kind of gathered together around? Yeah, so for obviously my earlier years was mainly uh, as a as a student in the university, mm. and obviously if you know as any student you're you're like a nomad you move constantly. <laughs> yeah, but obviously you, you get to meet people, uh, mm. um, you get to meet communities. You know that there are local communities within universities. Say for instance, there'll be like there's Nigerian society in the community, but over time you will then get to sort of look more wider, and mm. the more you get to know people, uh, you begin to sort of find where you fit basically you're just trying to fit into somewhere and when you find where you fit and everything all sort of uh, suits where your being is your identity is you're sort of more comfortable but over time i've sort of uh, moved on from a student now uh, to become a father i have a whole family uh, so obviously my responsibilities are not just to myself alone anymore mm. it's more outward to, to those all around me so it's also uh, looking at them and seeing how they fit in as well so it's how my outlook in life, uh, if I can reflect that to them so that they can actually see it as well, that is quite helpful, which is why when I always speak to like my son, I say, look, you can apply yourself. You've got to, whatever situation you're in, you've got to make it better. I mean, these things do not just come uh, uh, like a miracle or just from thin air. You have these people like us, you know, that God blesses to actually make things better. Uh, and that's how I sort of fit in. Over time, you, some places you might not, you might have had some not as great experiences, but I'm always open. And I will, I will find sometimes that the most profound uh, lessons might be from a non-Christian or might even be from mm. somebody else, from a Muslim, from an atheist that just asks you a question or that challenges your being you know, or your existence. It allows you to really think profoundly. Uh, I remember once uh, I had a friend who's a colleague, a doctor, and he came to me and he asked me, he's a Muslim, and he says, what is the reason of your excellence, really? So that was the question. And just that question, you spend almost two hours to trying to, <laughs> to, to get around it. But you can see how opportunities come from everywhere. So mm. you have to be open to people. If you're not open to people, you wouldn't get the, the wholeness of truth. So that's how I sort of I am, uh, and I hope to take that forward. Uh, uh, and basically, that's where I am today. That's that fantastic. And um, actually, one thing you uh, mentioned there really kind of pulls onto one of my later questions. I might uh, bring that forward now. You're saying about how uh, kind of like we, sometimes we kind of just expect miracles to kind of happen and just like, okay, I've said my prayer now, sit back, God, it's over to you. And that's what um, Pope Francis actually highlights in St. Joseph. Okay, he had quite a clear vision. That would be quite nice. Occasionally, if we had an angel appear to us in a dream and said, do this, do that. Uh, but it's still down to him to actually do that. If he just gone, oh, that was a weird dream. I must have eaten something funny <laughs> before I went to bed and everything. Who knows what would have happened to uh, the Holy Family. Uh, but about kind of working closely with God, is there any time that you can particularly go, oh, actually, that of a time when now that I can look back and see where God was working with and through me, but at that time and there, I couldn't quite see it. Have, they, have you had an experience like that at all? Yes, absolutely. Especially during the dark times. Uh, I remember when I went through issues with uh, my visa and all that, um, some, some difficult dark times. That was actually what forced me really, because obviously I was having issues getting it renewed and it was holding my advancement and progress as a professional then in 2009-ish, 10-ish. And I just said, okay, you know what, I've had enough. 
really. Mm. So I took that as an opportunity. So every disappointment is an opportunity. I said, look, I've always been saying to myself that I really want to go and get my registration sort back, sorted out back home as well as a pharmacist. This is a perfect opportunity. You've, yeah. You're being inhibited here from doing what you want to do. So why don't you use that as an opportunity to go out there and get it done? So I said, yeah, you know what? I'll go out there. And I went and I spent a year. And that year just, just liberated for me. The program there got uh, Africans, pharmacists in the diaspora around the world mm. to come back in. So I got to get friends that I've never met, that I would never have met from the United States, from, from places like China, from places like Russia. Then you know that people really travel, you know. Mm. Got to know some people that were even studying or uh, pharmacists in India who are Africans and Nigerians. So when we all come, and we all went to one sort of, uh, Amadou Bello University, it's in the northern part of Nigeria. Uh, and I can even imagine, I remember that time I went to one, uh, obviously if you go back home, you have to be prepared. Here you have light, you have electricity, you have all the social <laughs> amenities. So yeah. there was a big power cut. And I can even remember, remember going to uh, a local uh, supermarket. With my, with, with, obviously you have to come ready with your torchlight or with your phone to mm. browse in the shelves. And that's how I met an old uh, colleague or classmates from the secondary school in the shop with me. That would never have happened. But what I'm, well, the whole point I'm saying is, in difficulties, there are opportunities. That is probably a way whereby the Lord is telling you, although that path you chose, that was not what I wanted. I want you to go this way. And I've come back now even stronger because of my development post. All those difficult times has, has just blossomed. So that I've now even got into the situation where I say, yes, okay, what do I really need to do? So that's why in 2019, I said, oh, look, I've always wanted to obviously become a doctor. So this is, this is the time. You either have to pull the bullet or not. So I said, okay, look, I'll go into it. And shortly after that, oh, the pandemic struck. But it's still wonderful. It's all right. We're still here today. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still pushing myself, still developing. And with that, you've not, I've not lost my faith. So my faith has been growing stronger. So, I mean, it is a testament, really, especially during those times, you have to make your little covenant with God every single step of the way. You meet people, you meet challenges, so you have to sort of come to your agreement. And when you make this, uh, when, you t- when you go to God and you say, look, this is it, this is how we're going to, this is, this is, you speak to the God and you hope over time, when you pray especially, that you are able to develop that relationship as well, so that you are dealing not only with your temporal needs, but yes, your actual spiritual needs as well. And if you can get both all together or, and, you're, and you're growing within yourself, I mean, that is ideal. That's what we want. We're, always, we're not infallible. We're always going to make loads of mistakes. But obviously, the more mistakes you make, actually, as fast as you can get up and, and make more sense out of it, I think you'll be more rounded individual, to be honest. That's, that's, that's very true. There's great, great wisdom in that. I know... Um times when I've kind of sailed through life when I thought of kind of really close to God but actually if they've made when you go oh actually this is not what I planned God and I'm here if they've over actually where we have faith really because that's when the trust element com- comes in more um have there any experience of as a father if you've kind of they've point faith gone right God I need, I need you this is where I'm kind of really having to trust you here because I can't do this on my own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like as I mentioned, I, I was away from my family for about a year or two because obviously I couldn't physically uh, come in when I had mm. big issues. So basically I had to leave the country uh, and sort of reapply 
and to come back in. So, was, so you live away from your family as a father. But obviously, you are still working within uh, the unit. Uh, thank God we have uh, sort of we have the internet. We have mm. good communications, so you are still able to sort of come to or keep some contact going. And obviously, you can you have opportunities to FaceTime and uh, etc. But those times were really difficult. Mm. But obviously, uh, not losing focus of where you are from, not losing faith in the Lord, understanding that you during those times you also have to have hope as well, as well as charity, which is love. And just keep holding yourself together. Because in difficult times, really, you'll be pushed. Uh, there'll be times where your mood might be low, but obviously to be aware, awareness, and that sort of uh, mindfulness, not letting uh, your tribulations or trials of the day overwhelm you. And just keeping it sort of registration in your, in your mind and your psyche of where you really want to go. What, why is it that you're doing what you're doing? If you can answer that question every single day, I believe you me, you'll wake up and you'll still have that fire in you, that, that hope that tomorrow will be better. So that's why I continue to continuously urge my children, my family, my wife, at least if you wake up every day I mean, and you have an, an idea of who you are, your, ex, your, ex, your essence, and what you really want to do that day, keep asking the Lord uh, for his instruction, basically. Most of the time we don't listen. We always want to push on our needs on what we need, but we're not actually listening. We're not receptive enough to get or listen to what the Lord is telling us in that quiet moments of doubt. So that's when they actually is speaking to you, is telling you, mm, yes, you wanted that, but this is how I want you to go. We'll fight with that thought in our mind and in ourselves, or, or eventually, hopefully, most of the time, things come to work out the right way. We are more perceptive. So I think that's how I've changed over time. Uh, I've probably mellowed as a father over time, <laughs> uh, become more uh, sort of forgiving of things that I would not necessarily have been, or just understanding that people will make mistakes. So just let them sometimes and just sort of say, okay, you, have you learned anything from it? Okay, mm-hmm. then it's, it's a sort of lesson and reflection. And that's how we continue to grow. How fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hadn't done the math there to work out when you said about going back of like, oh, actually, yeah, a year away from your family, that must have been tough. So that's that's inc- inc- incredible and amazing that God got you through it all, really. Um, yes, yes, it did, yeah. Because I can remember going back home without even much money. Uh, you mm. can't, you, because obviously think about it, you're going back home without nothing. Uh, basically, you're basically a, a failure uh, if you look at it that way. So you can't, so, but obviously it's understanding where you are, mm. uh, understanding that, look, I'm just, just a phase. Some people look, allow uh, things like that to, to kind of label themselves and say, oh, well, I understood it. it was a phase anyway. And obviously I applied my mind in different ways that I would not have, you know, if I was not open enough to see things differently. Wow, look at that, that door has closed, but look at what has opened. Now I have contacts that I would never have had. I have great ideas and foresight into various other aspects of my development in pharmacy that I would never have gotten into. Uh, mm. so, so today I can call on people around Nigeria and say, look, oh, how is that going on in that area? Because of this opportunity I gave myself that time from difficulty, it has changed. And, and even today now when I have most colleagues now who are that cross the river, they are actually going back now mm. because obviously they've, obviously they've sort of achieved what they wanted to do. So they're now going back and setting up 
uh, more opportunities back home. These are the people that are still going to be useful going forward when I eventually will get to that position as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's amazing when you think about it. Uh, things were going, going so well for you. All of a sudden, things are going so wrong. And you understand, you're, sort of, you're constantly fighting it. Why is it going so wrong? But sometimes just, you just need to just allow it mm. and begin to reassess and just say, okay, look, let's start again. Let's build again. It doesn't matter. And you will see how you, you can't fight water. You've got to let it lead you to where it has to go. You know, it, it takes the shape of the vessel. So that's how I look at it sometimes. Uh, and allow the Lord to guide you and the Spirit to guide you. I can, I've got a feeling that there may be men listening to this who may have had in the last year their plans and everything turned upside down by the pandemic. So I hope they find some encouragement in that. And um, I'm, I'm awful at getting frustrated when things don't go my way. I'm like a typical kind of small man uh, <laughs> anger, like anything. So I, I'm hopefully mellowing as well. Uh, but that's gave, given me a lot of uh, food for thought as well. Uh, this letter, um, celebrating the year of St. Joseph, of us reflecting on St. Joseph, of this man of faith, this working man, this uh, courageous man, this um, the father. Is there anything that previously you felt like you had a devotion to St. Joseph or do you feel it's something that's uh, important to you? And then kind of secondly to do that, if the, what elements of St. Joseph's character do you think is important for us as um, Catholic dads? St. Joseph is a protector of families. Uh, so I mean, can also, I, when I think of him, I just think about the voyage into Egypt. He went into Africa uh, with his family. I can imagine him going there as a migrant. But he was welcomed with open arms. He was, he was sheltered. Jesus was sheltered in Egypt for two years. So it just sort of ties into where to to my heritage as an African, mm. understanding that you have to be welcoming to everyone you see because everybody's going on a journey. Sometimes they're not aware of it, but everybody's going on this journey. Joseph was sort of initially quite reticent. He didn't. He was not. <laughs> <laughs> he was not very happy with the situation. But over time, he he became more insightful, wasn't it? He he listened. He listened to the, to the angel Gabriel. He became more sort of mellow in that sense. He went back and brought his wife back to her. And obviously he maintained her dignity, protected her, protected Jesus, allowed Jesus to grow, gave him a stable family. This was all in preparation for his mission. Because we know Jesus was not ready till when he got to the age of 30. But without Joseph in there, Mary would not have been able to do what she could do. And you know the importance of Mary as well with Jesus. So you see that whole unit as a family. They kind of, they are, although in that 2,000 years ago, in essence, they are also a reflection of today's society, the modern society. So he's telling us, really, that in situations as fathers, as men, when we find ourselves in difficulty, we still need to listen to God. We still need to listen to the voice of the Lord. And if we allow our hearts and our minds to be, to be elevated, and we can see things in a more perspective way, everything will still come to pass as we wanted it, although it will be the will of the Lord manifested through what we do in our everyday. So that's St. Joseph in a nutshell. He is the projector of family. So I always, when I say prayers, I always sort of, and I'm sort of remembering the saints, I always remember that. 
and even when African families in my local diocese or whatever families, because we do have all this, we do pray together as well. We always reference that because we know how important it was then and today. Fantastic. Have you got any uh, tips on about how we can be open a bit more to listening to God? Is there anything that you do when you go, right, this has worked for me, it might, it might work for somebody else? <laughs> Well, in our very busy lives, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, we, yeah. we have to find a way to make things fit. I mean, we have to pray without mm. prayer, uh, just communication, essentially. Uh, you cannot make it. You Because prayer brings you closer to God. And sometimes prayer is not necessarily you speaking. It might be being you silent. So if you're so busy in a day, your prayer time might be when you're in your car. Yeah. Or... Uh, after you've listened to someone like myself when I'm driving, I've listened to the podcast, like you're like playing after a while. Maybe, maybe it's just that 10 minutes you have. Or when I'm dropping off my son to school, you know, he's, when he's singing his songs and he's singing, we got the whole world. That is my opportunity to, to create that more opportunity to speak to the Lord, even if with him as well. Because we know that when one or two are gathered, he's present. And we just need to sort of break through and sort of create the opportunities. We cannot allow our relationship to go be just a Sunday, Sunday affair. It doesn't work. We have to sort of find ways to make it work during the week, every day. Essentially just thinking about him, even if it's just a thought. And if you then pass that on to your your family, you pass that on to your kids, they, they understand it better. You give them opportunities locally within your church as well. So like now in our, in our local church, it's, it's the kids that do the readings. So I don't, we, we adults, we don't read anymore. So now the kids are actually reading every Sunday. So they take a greater meaning of what it is. They learn new words. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I bet, but they also, yeah. Yes, but they also <laughs> learn how to even be more solemn in mass. They understand the, what they're reading and all that as well. So it's opportunities really. Mainly is the essence really is that relationship. Mm. And it's a, it's a continuous dialogue. Sometimes you might have to say what is on your chest, get it off your chest, yes. <laughs> well, the other times you have to now be listening, be receptive. And obviously when the Lord is coming to speak to you, he will not necessarily always speak to you. Uh, he will use others. He will send people to you. Do you listen to people when they criticize you, when they are critical of what you do? Or are you more sort of, uh, do we respond in anger? I always tell people when they respond in anger, it's, it's quite an easy emotion, to be honest, because obviously mm-hmm. for you to be, to go to anger, you have to, it's negative. You have to fixate on something and express it to that person. So it's quite easy. Think about when your most natural response is an explosion of anger. For instance, you have to show love. It's an anathema. It's, it's, it doesn't spit, does it? See, your brain does not process that. You should be annoyed. You should be, imagine if you're finding out calm. So, it's that sort of way of developing your, your thought process with the Lord that would help us grow. Every day will be a challenge, but obviously over time, we'll find out that even though when we stumble, we, we still rise up again. That is what makes us good. And if you look at all the characters in the Bible, oh my God, they are so... Take, take for instance David. I, st- I fought with David for so long, but now I finally understood that I can relax. Because I can never understand, how can somebody be so flawed, be so favoured? But that is what the Lord is trying to say. It is the world downtrodden. It is the imperfect that he is really after. 
Because if we're all perfect, then what is the essence? Yes, so we have to be broken. We have to accept that our cross. We have to now become one. Let ourselves die and take the new body. And that is the way of the cross. Thank you. That is huge amount of wisdom that me personally, the I felt like you're speaking to my soul when you said about when somebody come and criticize you and kind of like jump to anger of like, hey, have you how do you know about that? <laughs> but that's and it made me realize actually, yeah. I kind of what I do then if I put up a barrier and I don't I, I don't change I, I close off my heart to that person I close off an opportunity where it could be God saying to me actually let's think about things a different way because I know I'm not perfect so when somebody tells me I'm not perfect I, don't, I shouldn't I shouldn't be surprised by that <laughs> really <laughs> like, that shouldn't come of a shock <laughs> like, really I mean like if, if any time I've been into confessional box have taught me anything of that I'm not perfect then I continue not to be perfect yeah. but unless unless we take as you say every opportunity and i think that's what i'm going to hopefully take away from our conversation today is that actually every opportunity is an opportunity to encounter god in that moment in the best times and in the worst times and definitely agree with you that i know times when i feel most distant to god i think when did i give him some quality time when when was it like even okay i may have been in mass but was i mentally there was, was i thinking about what happened last week or what's going to happen in the week ahead. And it's important maybe say, okay, God, these are the things I'm worried about rather than just kind of fixate on them. Um, so that's so true. We just need to be committed each day, even if it's just two or three minutes a day in your car. If you're in the shower when you're making breakfast or whatever, maybe like a moment go, actually, God, this is where I am today and everything. And I'm going to uh, help me to listen to you. <laughs> really, I think that's one of the, Big, biggest things I heard about prayer was um, uh, to pray to pray to receive the Holy Spirit. You need first the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and like so, you need to like be open to the Holy Spirit before you can even pray. And I, I think that's um, so so key. Uh, before we close, any final tips for Catholic dads out there? Anything you thought? Oh, I wish somebody had told me this <laughs> fifteen years ago, or, or so, or anything that you've found that we haven't covered. <laughs> I mean, there are no tips. There are no tips to being a dad. Um, I mean, when you, if you have the opportunity to, to see your son being born or your, your daughter mm. being born, uh, nobody tells you how to hold her or him. <laughs> <laughs> you just do it. It's natural. Yeah. So let it come natural to you. Obviously, if you make mistakes along the way, uh, as far as everybody is still healthy and fine, that is what it's all about. So keep going on. Be strong. And obviously, keep keep being in the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. Just and that would that would stand us all far, really. Again, thank you so much for your time in a week when you're doing medical exams and everything. Like it's it's I really appreciate you giving uh, us this time in sharing your reflections, your thoughts, your experience, and opening up. It's I know it's helped me loads, and I imagine many people uh, listening have done the same. I wonder if you'd be able to um, conclude our time with a short prayer, praying for those who are listening to our podcast uh, today, wherever they may be or whenever they may be listening. Okay, so let us pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for this opportunity today. We thank you for coming into our midst, for coming, giving us opportunity to share in your word. Father, we know your word is truth and it's life. Mm. Father, we thank you for all our listeners. We thank you for Joe. And we thank you for our world in general. Father, you know our hearts. We ask that you may come with us in this journey 
but we know we are not perfect. We are all falling up. Along the way, we're falling short along the way. So Father, your Holy Spirit, the same spirit you left with your holy apostles, we ask that you may continue to strengthen us as we go along the way. Help us in all our actions, thoughts, and deeds. And when we do depart from you, give us the conscience to be able to come back closer to you and continue to unburden ourselves to you, picking up our cross daily to follow you. And if we are blessed with such gifts as you've given to St. Joseph, enable us, we as dads as well, to also take this holy, this holy mission with a lot of gratitude, but also with one of solemnity, understanding that we are the only, we are the church and you are the body. I'm sorry, you are the head, we are the body. And we are continuously ensuring our families grow in faith. These we ask of you through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Akimate. It's a powerful prayer. And um, it's been such a wonderful conversation. Uh, really appreciate everything you've done and everything you continue to do for your parish, your family, and all those. Please know that you'll be in my prayers. And to all our listeners, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, please do remember to subscribe and everything so you don't miss an episode. And we look forward to it. Uh, well, uh, I look forward to sharing more conversations with uh, Dad from around the diocese with you in the coming months. God bless. Uh, bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this month's episode. Really hope you're able to join us next time. And to ensure you don't miss an episode, remember to subscribe. Please also share this podcast with other dads that you know. We want to reach as many dads in our diocese and help them to reflect on the image of St. Joseph. And by the help of his intercession and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see a renewal of the role of fathers, not just in our diocese, but in our society too. Until next time, God bless, and may St. Joseph pray for us and inspire us.